Good morning, and welcome to A Year of Zen. I'm Bonnie Miyotai, and I've taught writing as a spiritual practice and been a Zen teacher for many years. In this podcast, I will introduce daily or near-daily writing and contemplation exercises, as well as point to the possibility of a life of wisdom, compassion, and creativity. It is Saturday, October 10th, 2020. Here in Black Mountain, it is raining, the mountains are full of clouds, and there's a bit of early fall chill to the day. Today I'd like to look a bit with you at the things people say, or perhaps better, people will say things. To look, in other words, at the practice of being misunderstood, or disrespected, or lied about. Partly because in our current atmosphere of high agita, there is so much casual harm being enacted, shade being thrown, and we can forget that all of us are vulnerable, soft-bodied beings. And partly because, having led a life with lots of public role, I've had lots of opportunity to practice being maligned, as if I was a Zen duck, that everything will just roll off like water off a duck's back. Being a relatively early one of the women in my profession likely added to that phenomena. It's never fun. Years ago, some practice friends and I developed a shorthand for when someone took another's distress and said, well, it will be good for your practice. We'd look at each other and say, liver, meaning it's awful, but so good for you. So I don't want to make a liver moment of being dissed. Still, it's a rare human being who gets through all their days without having some opportunity to discern how to stay steady when someone is treating them without much respect or understanding. I remember years ago taking care of my mom as she deepened into dementia. And as her brain disease made her less and less the sweetheart she'd basically always been. I remember thinking, I should just get a t-shirt made that says, I'm wrong, or I'm sorry, to wear every day to make it easier to smile through it all. In my teaching life, like most women in public, at any given juncture, I've just struck people as wrong. My voice is too soft or too loud. I'm too weak or too strident, I tell too many stories, I'm too sensual, or I'm intimidating, too subtle, too simple. If I give a talk when my asthma has it so I can't finish a sentence in one breath, then I'm using a come-hither voice. (laughs) Basically, that t-shirt is one some people would like me to wear nonstop. 
I also acknowledge a life rich with support and positive feedback, but that's a different podcast. In an earlier episode, we went over what the Buddha taught as the five things to consider before speaking. Is what you're about to say, one, factual and true? Two, helpful and beneficial? Three, spoken with kindness and goodwill, that is, hoping for the best for all involved. Four, endearing, that is, spoken gently in a way the other person can hear. And five, timely. Occasionally, something true, helpful, and kind will not be endearing or easy for someone to hear, in which case we think carefully about when to say it. But what about when someone has spoken to or of you without any of these considerations? I've noticed that one of the mind states that tends to arise is, why don't they love me? It's not a mature thought, and most of us develop some ability to let it go pretty quickly. But it's both emotional and essentially primal. When we're not part of the tribe, we're vulnerable. It reminds me of that incredibly popular old Jimmy Ruffin song, What Becomes of the Brokenhearted. It's easy to get stuck in waiting for someone to love us and never make that shift to how can I be loving right now? Not later when it's easier or when someone is loving me back, but now. Because in a very real sense, It's not our business if someone else is practicing or being kind or even understands us. Our business is our life. How are we going to stand on this earth? Some people, when mistreated, have a basic reaction pattern where they get royally angry. Others tend to more generally fall into a kind of despair and then retreat into increasing layers of isolation. Or we may just be the person who blows it all off, denying that anything can hurt us, and have some catchphrase like, the world is full of assholes, that we use when we don't want to feel. Most of us have a bit of each of those patterns. Ruffin in his song goes on and on, I know I've got to find some kind of peace of mind. Maybe the roots of love grow all around, but for me, they come a-tumbling down. Every day, heartache grows a little stronger. I can't stand this pain much longer. I walk in shadows, searching for light, cold and alone, no comfort in sight, hoping and praying for someone to care always moving and going nowhere, what becomes of the brokenhearted who had love that's now departed? I know I've got to find some kind of peace of mind. Help me. What I'd like to explore today in our writing contemplation is that subtle, critical shift from identifying so fully as the one who is brokenhearted, 
to allowing that we also are the one we are looking for, the one who can help, can love, can provide that peace of mind. No one ultimately can provide that peace of mind for us. So how do you make the shift? In Zen, we'd likely point to the necessity of starting where you are. We can't skip jump over the pain. We can, though, keep practicing, keep seeing, keep breathing. We can stop telling the story of the heartbreak and explore the rest of the truth. So for our writing assignment today, if you're writing, please put these words on the top of a page. I can look to be loved or I can love. I can look to be loved or I can love. And then just explore as you either write or contemplate quietly for about 10 minutes. Whatever comes up is fine. You may want to argue with the topic or what I've said today, or you may be taken somewhere unexpected in your consideration. I'd caution you to not drop into the, it's so good for my practice when awful things happen. Call liver on yourself and try to go deeper. So go, 10 minutes or so, just go. Open up, don't know, just write.